1: the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh okay. Uh, hey, man, what's up, guys? This is Homicide.
0: Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it.
1: <laughs> hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a
0: bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't beat me. I'm the greatest of all time, and I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew that they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure.
2: (laughs) They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power champ! Diablo has a hold of Homicide's leg and now. What's is, is a partner enough time to catch Homicide on that top turnbuckle. Throws him off.
1: No Homicide trying to fight off Diablo. Oman's in the middle of the ring. It's like Homicide just caught in Ricky Reyes. Oh, German suplex right to the back of the skull of Oman Tortuga. Reyes. Oh, beautiful spinning neckbreaker. breaker. oh. And Homicide from the top of the splash. One, two. Oh, picked oh. up a two-count. That was close. That was very, very close. Now on the outside, Diablo Santiago
2: taking care of business with Ricky Reyes. Homicide spun off that rope. Four arm smashes to the back. Oman just standing there, staggering. Ooh! Homicide yeah. just ran into that big boot. Reyes broke it up now. He's caught. Diablo's got him. Oh, beautiful! Back suplex! Reyes! Oh! Beautiful release Northern Lights! Oh, And Homicide just wailed him with that lariat!
3: Ladies and gentlemen, your winners advancing in the tournament! Ricky Reyes and
2: Homicide! The Rottweiler! This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. My name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are joined by another member of the world of Lucha Underground, a guy who is no stranger to wrestling fans, new, and wrestling fans who have been watching for quite a while. His name is Ricky Reyes, but you know him in Lucha Underground as Cortez Castro, But, John, Ricky Reyes is a guy that you and I have been watching for years as part of the glory days of Ring of Honor Wrestling. But as we've spent the last six months or so really diving deep into the world of Lucha Underground and talking to so many people from the temple and talking to so many people involved with that promotion, we can tell that Ricky Reyes was the perfect guy for it. But we're going to get the stories as to why Ricky Reyes and Lucha Underground was the birth and the perfect place for the character of Cortez Castro to ascend into the wrestling universe. And John, as I get you welcomed in here, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Cortez Castro. Tell us about Ricky Reyes and his involvement with Lucha Underground. And that the door is always open for more things and more exciting things to come out of that temple, out of the world of Lucha Underground.
3: Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of a wrestling, and excuse my voice a little bit. Got a little bit of allergies going on right now. It's getting pretty damn cold up here in the northeast, and boy, we got a fun episode for you today. Great interview with Ricky Reyes, a.k.a. Cortez Castro, of Lucha Underground fame, and big takeaway for me from this interview, super smart guy, Great mind for the business, great psychology, great worker, underrated wrestler. I really feel definitely underrated in the grand scheme of things. And when you think about Lucha Underground, and you think about all the amazing stars that they have, and obviously now we're on Season 3 of Lucha Underground, he's been such a big part of the show since Season 1. Yes, he was in the crew, he was with Cisco and Bale, and basically dominating the scene with Dario Cuerto as the crew. And they had those epic... uh, Matches those um, big-time feud against Son of Havoc and Ivalice and Angelico. And you think about that, and you think about that epic ladder match that they had, that awesome match, and we get into that in the interview as well, and some injuries that Ricky, um, or a.k.a. Cortez, has... Uh, you know, gotten from that match and if you go back and watch it and you see him land on his shoulder, oof, boy, you know, it pops out of place and he tells a great, great story about that. He's a great storyteller. That was really cool. But in the grand scheme of things, when you think about the crew, when you think about him we get into detail he was the very first guy signed by Lucha Underground and that says I you know a lot basically saying that that's the guy that they eyed that's the guy that they wanted that's a great talent and they went out and they got him so a little uh, tidbit I'm sure a lot of people don't know that I didn't know that at all from this interview but uh, we, we learned a lot of good stuff from the interview so he was the first guy ever signed by Lucha Underground very very cool and I think that uh, it goes a long way and it shows you the level of importance they have in him and things like that and obviously as season two rolled around one of the biggest uh, twists and one of the biggest turns it was so cool and so awesome and so well done that he was a member of the crew yes but he was secretly working as an agent. You know, he was, he's a he's a cop uh, trying to take Dario Cuerto down. So I thought that was awesome. And what a twist. And didn't see that coming at all. And that's what's so cool about Lucha Underground. It's just these interesting things that you'll see on a regular TV show. But now it's basically wrestling and a TV show. And that's what Lucha Underground is. And that's what they're all about. And these twists and these turns and these, you know, epic things that go on. And it's pretty damn cool. And I just thought that... Getting into that part of this interview was was a big key for me because I wanted to hear what he thought about it and he gets very excited talking about it. He says that you know a lot of the wrestlers in the back were really excited about it. Uh, Chris DeJoseph, one of the writers, was so excited to tell him about that major plot twist and that major turn in the story. So that part of the interview was really, really fun and really cool that we get to delve deep and we get to talk about you know him being that that spy that that uh, secret agent if you will the you know that that undercover cop so that was a really cool part of the interview and i just love talking all things lucha underground with cortez castro
2: absolutely and ricky reyes fits that lucha underground mold without a shadow of a doubt and things that have been coming out of there it just it's been so different to kind of see it all evolve and obviously we're not even close to being done with season 3 and Ricky Reyes, in time that he's had in professional wrestling, he's proven himself around the world. But, John, it's time to talk about your favorite topic, and that is Ring of Honor Wrestling, the heyday of Ring of Honor Wrestling, a time where the shows were can't miss. The guys are basically uh, running the wrestling business today in terms of uh, the mainstream landscape. But Ricky Reyes was right there in the thick of it, and I know this was something that you were chomping at the bit to talk about And I'm going to let you take, actually, the show the rest of the way. Tell us all about Ricky Reyes' time in Ring of Honor and also the kind of cool stops he's had along the way and what we have to look forward to and then get it on over to the interview and hit the two-man power trip of wrestling business. But, John, the floor is yours. Talk about Ricky Reyes' time in Ring of Honor and all the amazing things that I know you have such fond memories of and this was an absolute joy for you to talk about.
3: Yeah, of course, with these interviews, I love talking Ring of Honor, and especially guys that were around Ring of Honor during their prime years, the best years for ROH. And now it's not just me saying it, or Chad's it's not just you saying it. We had Ricky Reyes, a.k.a. Cortez Castro, in this interview, saying how much he thought that that was ROH at its best. And no offense to ROH now, I mean, they're doing great, they're, you know, they're all over the world, they're, they have a partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which speaks volumes, and that's just unbelievable. But those years... The 04 or 506, 07, you know, those were kind of the big time prime prime years of Ring of Honor. And that's when they they were at their best, and they had the best wrestlers in the world in their prime in that league. It was just awesome. I mean, obviously, you got the Havana Pitbulls. Reyes and Romero, Iloki Homicide, Brian Danielson, Nigel McGuinness, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, CM Punk, Cole Cabana, all these guys, I'm sure I'm leaving out a a ton of names, but I'll just stop there, a ton of guys that are just unbelievable, and they're great, and they're all on ROH at one time, and with, obviously, the Vanna Pitbulls, I'll also mention the Briscoes, because they had a great feud, and great matches, And it's really great that Havana Pitbulls, during the biggest time in Ring of Honor, during its prime, were tag team champions. So Romero and Reyes, we get some great stuff about them, and we talk all things Rottweilers, we talk about Loki, we talk about Homicide, we talk about how Rocky Romero, Homicide, and Ricky won the Trios Championship in 2005 for Ring of Honor, which was quite a great show really really cool stuff we go into a little bit deeper in it because the ring actually breaks and we get a cool story from Ricky there so this is just uh, an awesome awesome trip down memory lane not only for the Ring of Honor stuff when we talk about some current stuff obviously we go Lucha underground we talk some great stuff there but I had to mention his time in the New Japan dojo him working for New Japan his experience at the Tokyo Dome but especially the New Japan Dojo stuff in LA because it's some of the stuff that a lot of people don't hear about, but you really should hear about and you should learn about it. because the guys that were there in that dojo learning, you know, it's kind of like the New Japan style, if you will, you know, really kind of becoming young lions for New Japan, at that point, Rocky Romero, Ricky Reyes, Daniel Bryan, A.K. Bryan Danielson, Samoa Joe was over there, um, Makabe was over there, and big time star, Shinsuke Nakamura was over there so you get awesome stuff and I love going behind the scenes in New Japan Dojo because those are some of the greatest wrestlers in wrestling today and kind of were up and coming at that point when they were at their Dojo so that was some really really cool stuff and uh, last but not least, just a little uh, throwing another little tidbit there. He's got a great, great story about Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan. He's got an awesome story at the end about him. So, this was a really, really, really fun interview. I just love his attitude. I love his passion for the business. I love his psychology for the business. And I love that he has just such a great mind for the wrestling business. So, just sit back, relax, and enjoy Ricky Reyes, a.k.a. Lucha Underground's Cortez Castro. And now for some TNPt business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at TwoManPowerTrip and at Rasslin Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for past legendary episodes featuring the late, great, American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Bruno Sammartino, Jesse the Body Ventura, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, WWE Lead Attorney, Jerry McDivitt, the phenomenal AJ Styles, the Demon Kane, Dean Ambrose, and so many more. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Also, while you're surfing the web, go to wrestlinginc.com. Yes, that is wrestlinginc.com. Your number one news source for professional wrestling and sports entertainment. Also, please check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com for your t-shirt needs. Featuring stores like our own store at the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling, Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Paul Orndorf, Kevin Thorne, and Buff Bagwell. Also, for you Android users out there, check us out on Player FM. And. Now, without any further ado, a former two-time WWC Junior Heavyweight Champion and a former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, he is currently a Lucha Underground star, he is Ricky Reyes, a.k.a. Cortez Castro. Please enjoy.
0: year veteran of the ring he's a two-time wwc junior heavyweight champion he's also a former ring of honor world tag team champion you may know him as ricky reyes or lucha underground star cortez castro welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling cool thanks for having me no problem so right off the bat i definitely want to talk some lucha underground with you and obviously you know the big thing right now is season three is underway on the L Ray network and it's every Wednesday night at eight PM. Also check your local listings for any other times. But what is going on with season three? How do you think season three has been coming along so far?
1: <clears throat> well, um I mean it's by far like the best season uh we've had, definitely, and it'll it only gets better, but like um I just like I enjoy the show altogether. Like when, when we're doing it and we're taping everything, um, I don't like to watch like the big matches and stuff like, like there. Uh, Cause we're usually upstairs, like um, and we watch it on the monitor. Like we have like a big screen in the, in the room, but uh, I like, I like to watch it as a fan, like just kind of like enjoy the show. Cause like I try to keep my, you know, like, like focus on, what I'm doing and and my character and everything so I don't ask too many questions on what everybody else is doing because I like it to be a surprise I think a lot of us kind of do that like we just we're so caught up doing our own thing that you know in passing you might say like hey I'm doing this or I'm doing something like this and you know but um it's it's such a good show like I haven't met anybody that doesn't like it you know like uh I, I, I probably meet more people that haven't seen much of it and then once once they start to watch it a couple times uh, you know they they tell me like oh man you know now i'm hooked and i gotta watch the whole thing you know because it's like a you know it's such a good story like everyone's stories you know or you know it's like it's so good the way they lay it out and stuff like that so it's it's by the time season three is finished it'll be by far i think twice as better as season two and blows season one right out of the water. So it's, it's been, it's been good. And, and trust me, it's, it's only going to get more insane.
0: <laughs>
1: hmm.
0: Wow. There's some pretty high praise for the show because, uh, if anyone seen, obviously season one or season two came off hmm. quite well. And obviously, you know, it's a great, highly recommended show with a lot of great feedback and you mentioned, how cool is it to have that episodic TV feel to it where you want to watch every week and you have
1: to watch it every week? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that's important. Uh, you know, again, like the, the writers that, that come up with this stuff and just where they know where to put everybody, it's, it's really amazing. Like it's, it's like they don't get enough credit. Like, uh, i guess they kind of do but you know then they don't because it's like we're out there doing it so everyone's like oh man you know you're what you're doing is awesome and it's like you know i'm i'm you know i'm just doing what i'm what i'm asked to do yes i'm doing the work but uh there's like some serious masterminds behind behind this and it, it, it is cool it's it's a it's a fun feel and i'm glad that wrestling fans enjoy it for what it is for a tv show you know what i mean um because that's what it is. It's we're not a wrestling company. We're we're getting more involved on on the wrestling business and more now because I think now all the big shots and executives like I guess from El Ray I think they realize okay like this is a bigger animal than they expected it to be because they just thought it was going to be another TV show and didn't realize just how you know demanding the wrestling fans are like they want it and they want it all the time. You know, wrestling fans are used to no seasons. You know what I mean. So, when Lucha Underground isn't on, you know it's like you like like fans will complain. You know what I mean because they wanted they want it all year round. So, it's it's pretty cool. It's uh it's definitely become like like a bigger monster than I think a lot of people in within the company originally thought it was going to be. Except for the wrestling people. You know what I mean? Like like the mm-hmm. yep. the the writers and, and and the wrestlers like we knew once once it started catching fire, like merchandise, you know DVDs, you know um, live events, like like that's what wrestling fans want, you know what I mean? Like that's what they save their money for, and and they want to, you know, they want they want that, you know, and and live appearances and stuff like that. So it's it's um, they're starting to get hooked to it though. They're starting to smarten up a little bit more about you know like the, the wrestling business and stuff. So. Hopefully, there's a lot more from what I've been told like they're 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 working to to grow it, so it it should be good in the next uh, year two years should be growing pretty big,
0: definitely, and obviously, with the addition of a guy like Ray Mysterio Jr, that can only help the roster and and help you guys grow. What has it been like having Ray Mysterio join the cast
1: man um I mean. What can you, what can you say? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it is what everything that you would think it could be. You know what I mean? Like, like, here's a guy who's been there, done it 10 times over. Right. And then he walks into the locker room and he, you know, is like the nicest guy and just wants to help and wants to be there for all the right reasons. You know, like we've had other bigger stars come and go and they were just there to do their thing. And, and, you know, and and that was it. But I mean, like, like Ray, like genuinely wants to be there, you know, and, and it's just amazing. Like he, he really is like a special, a person where, you know, we'll all be, you know, in the ring, doing some stuff going over things or whatever that we had to do. And he'll just walk up to you and be like, Hey man, how's it going? And I'm like, Hmm you know, my, my jaw drops to the floor. I'm like, Hey hey, you know, how are you, sir? And he's like, ah, man, you know, how are you feeling? You know, blah blah blah, you know, like and I'm thinking like to myself the whole time, like, I'm talking to Ray Mysterio. Like like he asked me like <laughs> how my how how I'm doing and like genuinely cares. You know what I mean? Like like we all get bumped and bruises and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? And he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I saw the other day, you know, you know, um y you, you know, how are you feeling? You know, blah 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 and, and it's like he just you know, chumming around, making small talk. You know what I mean? And you know, gets dressed with all of us, and it's just, it's, it's insane. You know, and and the star power that he has, and and he brings to, to the company as a whole. Really, you know what I mean? Like he draws so much attention, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. You know.
0: And from talking to him, I know he did not like to be called sir. So he probably got a yeah. little annoyed that you called him sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's hard not to, though. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 an iconic, you know, figure, you know, in our in our industry. Absolutely. And you know, it's like he's a, he's a one of a kind, will never be duplicated again type of person. And 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 when you when you think of everything that he's done for so many years, and you get, and you, like, Ultima Lucha Dose, where he wrestled Prince Puma, you know, like, that match was insane, you know what I mean? And it was like, here's this guy, who doesn't even, like, like, we can be honest here, like, he doesn't have to work that hard. Like, he doesn't. Just him being there Mm is like, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, he's here, you know? And like, he can live off that. And he went into that match, like, he, he wanted to prove that he still had it, you know, and, it, you know, I, that match I couldn't help but watch live and and all of us in the back, like, sold out the curtain, like, we were with our mouths on the floor, like, I mean, it was insane, like, you know, just to know that he can just get in there, like, like, like yeah, all right, I'm gonna go out there and kill it, like, no big deal, you know, and then he does, <laughs> and then he walks back and he acts like, he acts like, like, nothing happened. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, did you just see what you just did? He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, I'm Ray Mysterio. That's what I do. You know, he just walk, trots around. I'm like, crazy. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, he's amazing. There's no doubt Rey is, is definitely
0: one of the greatest of all time and one of the greatest wrestlers today. Obviously, Prince Puma for sure. But I gotta mention mm-hmm. Pentagon Dark, A. K. Pentagon Junior. What do you think of, I know you just recently wrestled him too on, you know, for T, for the T V show in season three, but what do you think about Pentagon Junior, AK Pentagon Dark?
1: Yeah, he's 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 a great great um character and you know, um hard, hard worker. Um I mean, you know, he does he does his his stuff very well and that's you know very important. Uh He, you know, is a huge asset to us, and we just, like, he works so hard, you know, so it's, like, it's always fun to be in a ring with someone that takes it so seriously, like, as serious as I do, and and works really hard, you know, so he's he's an awesome character. And
0: speaking of cool characters, obviously there's so many in the Lucha Underground world, but Matanza, Mm -hmm. the, the world champion, Jeff Cobb, you're coming up on a loose end title shot in the, uh, not so uh, distant
1: future. What do you think
0: about him and that character?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's man. Like I just think like Jeff has come such a long way, um, with, you know, developing the character into what it is, has become. And he's so good. Like, I don't think he really understands like, just how good he is with that. You know what I mean? And like, when you see it, it's just, it's so, it's so unique. You know what I mean? It's not like something that not everybody can do. Like, it's very difficult, um, to do something like that so well. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's it's hard to explain. Like, if you're in wrestling, you can be a good guy, you can be a bad guy. Uh, it's, it's a lot more difficult when you have to be a monster, you know what I mean, and, and still mm-hmm. get across the wrestling story that you have to tell. You know, that takes a lot, a lot of work. That takes a lot of work on that the falls on Jeff's lap, like, on his own. Like, that's something that he has to research and find, you know what I mean, like, what works for him and uh what he wants that character to be like you have to go in depth into that character and and really you know uh experiment with different things and kind of like create your own uh you know style and stuff like that he's done he's done an amazing job with it so yeah there's no doubt he's a really cool character definitely different and i feel like with
0: Lucha Underground, like, you know, there's just so many different cool characters that, you know, the show has. And obviously the writing plays a big role in that. But do you like the fact that we're Lucha Underground, each kind of character has its own importance to the show and no character is kind of, you know, there's some more important characters, but no character really is, you know, quote-unquote or No character is unimportant mm. to the show.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that was... Um the head writer, uh, Krista Joseph, that was his idea and goal with with this show, was everybody was going to be doing something, you know what I mean? And and everybody was going to have their moment, you know, and everyone was going to be something special. And so it, it really is amazing because, like, I guess the last time I was around that type of environment was when I first started with ROH uh, like, in '04, I think it was, um, you know, we would, we would be on the road for the weekend or whatever, and, like, one night, I would be opening match, you know, and then the next night, we'd be in, like, the main event, you know, and it was like that almost every weekend, you know, and that went with, that went for, like, us as a team, and, and a group, and everyone else, like, you know what I mean, like, like when your first when your opening match on night one is Brian Danielson versus Alex Shelley, you know what I mean? And then your main <clears> event <throat> the next night the main event the next night can be, you know, uh Nigel McGuinness versus Samoa Joe, you know what I mean? And or Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness. You know what I mean? Like that's how that's how deep that roster was like in those years. And like a lot of people refer to it as like the best years roh had and quality match quality wise had to be you know like there was you know like we would open up one night and then we'd main event in the six man the next night you know and we'd be you know i mean you can put us anywhere you know and um no one really stuck out as being a bigger star everybody was so over you know um so that's how i feel when i think of the show now it's like who's the main event tonight and then you see it and you're like oh, that's awesome. You know, it's almost like, yeah, they got their turn or, you know, this is building to this and, and, you know, everyone gets that that moment. So it's it's pretty cool. It's very unique in that sense because, I mean, I think that's a lot of problems in other wrestling companies, I guess, like, you know, guys getting stuck doing uh, maybe similar, you know, kind of nothing, you know, what they would refer to as nothing important, I guess for like a very long time and that gets frustrating you know what i mean like uh so it's cool to to know that like everyone's working for something big you know and everyone kind of gets their turn so it's it's really unique and and it's very healthy you know for for the business
0: that's a great comparison to roh back in a four or five or six that they said the primaries of roh but going back to them in one second, I just wanted to mention as far as you know, what you're saying with loose Underground, the characters are so important and, and everything seems to get over, but I also feel like the temple is a really cool venue and then the crowd itself
1: brings a whole new vibe to things too. Do you like
0: the temple and do you feeling it from the crazy crowd over there in Boyle Heights?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those places like Like, I was there for the first show, you know, and and been from the start. So, I was actually the first wrestler to sign with Lucha Underground. Um, So, I kind of, like, definitely feel, like, attached to it and stuff. So, like, a lot of us that were there, there was maybe, like, 14, 15 of us, I think, on the first weekend. Like, definitely feel, like, a good connection with it. But uh, the the way it's set up and the way... it's just kind of done. Like it's very fan friendly, you know, the environment and, and the setup. So the fans, like you can feel that energy, you know, and, uh, and a lot of us like, you know, I, I mean, when you're hurt, you know, and, and you're not sure that you're going to be able to get this off or be able to get through this or, or something, and you get out there, and you just get that rush, and you hear that crowd go crazy, it's like, man, you just, everything just goes out the window, and you just go balls to the wall, and, like, that's it, you just go, you know, and then, like, it's because of that crowd, and the and the energy, and the excitement, you know what I mean, I mean, there's, like, I, when I dislocated my shoulder, when Angelico jumped off the, uh, the roof of uh, Dario's office, and he drop kicked me, off the ladder. Um, like when I fell, it it was towards the end of the match. I, my arm came out my, of, of my shoulder socket. But what people don't know is like a week, one week before that I had knee surgery and I wasn't even supposed to be wrestling. Like I had my meniscus removed and I was supposed to do like a few weeks of rehab and stuff. And I was like, didn't say anything. I was just like, well, I'm just going to get it done. And like, it was like tender, you know, I mean, I I can work on it and stuff and move, but like I was being, I was, I was in the back. I was like really nervous and like, you know, wrapped it up real tight and braced it and everything. And I just remember, uh, I was going to hit son of havoc from behind. And I remember I just bolted after him and I cut the corner and I hit him as hard as I could. And I remember thinking, yeah, like my knee didn't hurt, you know, like it was probably the first time I made that type of movement. Um, and with no pain, you know, at all. And I honestly think it was just like the adrenaline rush, like, like just the crowd was like going crazy the whole match. Like I knew this big spot at the end was going to, you know, pop the crowd crazy and, you know, even when my arm came out, it didn't hurt at all, like, I popped it right back in, you know, and I, and it didn't hurt until, like, two or three in the morning later that night, but I just remember just being, like, like, the crowd was so loud, it was deafening, like, I couldn't hear, you know, it was, like, people were screaming, and, you know, I'm looking at my arm, and I got a big hole in my shoulder, and I was, like, oh, shit, you know, and I grabbed my hand, and like, popped it back in, and I'm, like, oh, my God, you know, they rushed me off to the back, and it was just, like, you know, it's was, like, Part of me didn't even want to leave, I just wanted to stay out there and just soak all that in, but it, it was pretty cool. It's and and yeah, it's because of the crowd and the atmosphere and everything.
0: And then you you know, you throw in that it's a really uh, well crazy I guess you could say crazy spot that he pulled off and the crowd just went nuts. <laughs> but obviously yeah. you know there's there's the other end of it and you're on the other end of it getting nailed.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there wasn't too many people stepping up to take that spot, so uh, it's funny, because, like, anytime anytime I put that out there, I always say, you're welcome, because it really was, like, like he had an idea the night before, and he was, like, he goes, he came up to me and was, like, what if I did something crazy, like, I jumped off the roof? And I said, yeah, he said, you know, you did it last time, and he goes, what well, if I drop kick somebody off the ladder? And I said, ooh, I'll do it, like, I'll take it, and he goes, really? Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I was like these other two idiots ain't going to do it. I was like, sound, you know, to me, it, the match needs it. You know, I said that it, ha- that has to happen. Like that was the only other thing that we could do that would top the cross body, you know? And I said, and what better, what, I mean, there's no other, there was no other scenario that was going to happen like that again. You know, the ladder match for the belts. I said, you know, you already did the, the cross body. I said, it's gotta be one bigger. I said, I'll take it, you know? And I knew something was going to happen. I, in my mind, I, the next day I got up and I thought, you know, we talked it over with the agents and I remember telling Chavo, I said, I said, one of two things is going to happen tonight. I said, he's either going to kick me really hard and I'm going to break a rib. I said, or when I fall, I'm going to dislocate my arm. And Chavo said, well, then don't do it. And I said, no, no, no. I said, it needs to happen. I said, I'm just saying this is going to end badly for me. <laughs> and he was like kind of laughing. And then like I came to the back with with my arm wrapped up and he just looked at me and shook his head and just goes, all right, go to the hospital. <laughs> and I was so happy though. You know, I was like, well, how did it look? And everyone's like, that was insane. And I was like, I was like oh, well, it was for TV. So it's all
0: good. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, though, obviously, there's the other end of it where you're getting hurt, but it came off so well on TV. It's almost like a, a casualty that you, you'll accept because it was such an awesome spot.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I knew it was going to end badly, and it didn't even <laughs> didn't even bat an eye at it. I was just like, Whoop well, you know, um, actually, my phone, my phone went out, All right, so, happens
0: I know like
1: I didn't tell her beforehand what we were planning on doing because I didn't want to hear you know complaining and stuff so I was just like so when I get back I'll just be able to say look this is what happened because I just knew something bad it was just going to end not well for me so
0: <laughs>
1: the price of being a professional wrestler sometimes
0: right yeah and it's funny that you guys had like a great feud. I mean, obviously Evilist, Son of Havoc, Angelico, and the crew, which was Bale at one point, Mr. Cisco, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. obviously yourself, Cortez Castro. But with the crew, obviously you lose Bale, and they kill the character off on TV, which I thought was like so funny and so cool, and almost you know it's like Walking Dead—they're gonna kill off the characters. Did you like the killing off of the characters? Do you think that was cool and original?
1: absolutely yeah i I totally thought it was um, I thought it was like the coolest thing you know what I mean, like I remember when it when we when we shot it, I was like man that was that was cool, you know what I mean like it was really like a cool thing to do N- never did anything any anywhere near that, and then when it came off on TV, I was like that was like really so unique, you know um just the way when these guys are done editing this stuff and it airs, it's like 10 times better than you think it could ever be. You know what I mean? It's just the way that they, they do everything. And I just thought it was so awesome. Like I was like, I was, like I told, I told Cisco, I was like, yeah, so, so we killed somebody like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like we we were kind of like, you know, like we murdered somebody tonight. So that was cool. You know, it was like, we were joking about <laughs> it, but it was, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome, you know? And, So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things we have the freedom to do, I guess. (laughs) Which definitely makes Lucha Underground stand out, be
0: different. It's so Mm -hmm. cool. And then you throw in the fact that, like you said, the editing and the production value is obviously Robert Rodriguez and El Rave. It's just, it's a step Mm -hmm. up. Do you just love having that production value at your, you know, disposal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because um, if you give these guys an idea... Man, well they will make it ten times better than you could have ever even imagined it. Like like you always want to like aim high and then have them scale you back. It's it's almost backwards. Like you aim high and then they maximize it by ten and you're like, This is this is insane. You know, like this isn't anything like I was thinking, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't even <laughs> imagine like sometimes I see these setups, like th- these matches that they'll create. And I'm like, I don't even know where you get these, this many, these many ideas. Like, I don't even, my brain doesn't even compute all this stuff together. You know what I mean? Like they just amplify any, everything by 10, you know, it's insane. Like eventually it'll get to where they do it with me. And I, I, like, I walked out and I was like, are you you kidding me? Like, this is like unreal. It's like, I don't even know what to say. You know, it's, it's insane. Like, yeah, these guys are just nuts. And one really, really cool thing they did with
0: you was I felt, which is like a total great twist, season two, they reveal you basically, you know, you're an undercover cop. You're in the task force with Joey Ryan, and you're out to get Dario Cueto. How cool was that when they like, kind of broached you with that? Or is that something that you wanted to kind of come up with?
1: Um, yeah, well, like, uh, I think it was September, uh, the year that we went um, – into season two, the taping, um, and, uh, DJ had called me and he was like, uh, I had, actually I had messaged him and I was like, Hey man, you know, uh, looking forward to season two, you know, and, um, I was just kind of giving him an update cause on my shoulder, um, I had worked the rest of the season, but I was, you know, just doing run-ins you know, maybe getting bumped once or twice, and I wasn't doing too much bumping at all. Um, going into season, before season two, I was, you know, started working again regularly through the summer. So I was just giving him an update, like, man, I'm ready, you know, um, you know, no limitations at all. Just so he, for the matches that he had lined up for me or whatever ideas he had, I just, you know, wanted him to know that I was good to go for the season two. And he, I remember he texted me, um, he said something like, Oh, I'm glad to hear that. He's like, you know, I, I see that you're you know, you're working a lot uh Officer Reyes and I was like, Officer Reyes with like question marks and I was like, What what does that mean? And he's like and then he kinda laid out the whole idea of it and I was like, Are you kidding me? I was like, No one no one's gonna see that coming and he's like, Exactly, like that's that's the whole point. He's like, All of season one, you are an undercover cop the whole time and I was like <laughs> This is, gonna, this is literally going to blow people's minds. Like, they're just going to lose it. And I remember we had the first four episodes of season two. Um, they finished it up and gave it to us on a DVD. So we had like a little viewing party one, one after, after one of the shows. So we were like, yeah, we're going to stay back and kind of watch the first you know few episodes of season two. So I didn't tell anybody what I was already shooting because I was shooting a month before we even started the shows because um, some of us had to come in early. So I was doing everything at Skip Studios in, um, in L.A. So we were shooting, like, like out there, uh, the whole office scene and everything. So I was working, like, a month before we even started running shows, and I didn't tell anybody, like, what I was doing. And everyone turned, like, when my scene came up, everyone turned around and looked at me, and they were like, are you shitting me? Like, you're a cop? You know, so it was, like, it just blew everybody's <laughs> mind. They were, like, I can't believe it. Like, the fans are going to go nuts, and they did. Like, once they reviewed it was me, like, people were tweeting me, like, oh, my God, he's a rat, you know, like, <laughs> it was awesome.
0: <laughs> that was uh, quite the reveal. I mean, it was so funny. It was almost like, what the hell? Where, where did that come from? <laughs> that was right. That was definitely definitely pretty cool so what's it like working with a guy like joey ryan who's obviously you know uh, a a veteran of the ring but uh, he's definitely
1: a unique character oh yeah i mean me and joey um i think i started like a couple years before joey did and but we i grew up in southern california so i've known joey for like 15 years now so um yeah like we we started together and trained together for a while and went to similar schools and kind of ran up and down Southern California together for, for our first four or five years of, of wrestling. So, I mean, I, have known Joey for forever. Um, but uh, the, the, the characters are so different, you know, cause like they just wanted Joey to come in and just be Joey. And that's the, the, the best thing about, about Lucha Underground as well is like when they, Put thought into these characters it's kind of based off who you really are or how you really are you know and, and um so i remember when dj was like well look you know cortez is is what ricky reyes is in the ring as a, as a villain or a heel and then we want officer reyes to be you know re- like reyes like you know when you when you come to you know you come to work and you you talk about you know you, you your kids and your wife and, you know, and you just like a good person, you know, like, like as, as you are. And then we want Joey to just be Joey, the Joey Ryan character, you know, so that that was going to be the difference between Cortez and officer Reyes, you know, so it made it really easy for me um, to, to be that character. So the beautiful thing about it is like, Joey's so good, you know, at being, that character so it just I mean all they do is highlight you know how we kind of are and it's funny because like when we're together Joey and I like w- we love wrestling so much that that's where we connect and then everything else is just kind of opposite you know what I mean <laughs> so so just mm-hmm. being able to go to go through the the scenes and stuff It and honestly I don't know how many times like we go to shoot something and I'm biting my tongue, trying not to laugh at him because he's so ridiculous. Like, and then he'll do something, and we'll talk about it. And he'll go, "Should I do it more?" And I'm like, "Yes." And he'll do things just to make me laugh, and we're trying not <laughs> to laugh, like in the middle of these scenes, because, like, of course, you're shooting on set with like a thousand people just staring at you, you know. And I'm trying not to laugh, and he's like, you know you know, like, moving his hips or, or whatever he's doing or sucking his lollipop, like, really loud, like, obnoxiously loud. And they're like, yeah, that's what we want, more of that. And he's like, yeah, you like that? You like that? <laughs> and I'm, like, trying not to <laughs> laugh, you know. And, like, here comes my line, you know, and I'm trying to, like, you know, not bust up laughing, and it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's, like, too much fun almost.
0: <laughs> Which is awesome, and it just shows you – you know, what you do and you're having fun at it definitely comes off on the screen because lucha Underground is just absolutely amazing. But if I could go back to what we kind of were talking about a little bit before with Ring of Honor, he said basically you were there during the prime of ROH, and without a doubt that was the best time. I mean, ROH is still good now, but that was the best quality of wrestlers, the best quality of matches, and the Havana Pitbulls were front and center. You and Rocky Romero, former tag team champs, what was it like coming in with Rocky and having a great stamp and almost, like, immediately just
1: being thrown right into the
0: wolves and fighting the Briscoes?
1: Yeah, that was um, – uh, I remember, like, we got um, we got booked for, for ROH and it was, uh, like, I think they announced it on their website and I didn't even know because, like, Rocky was – the one talking to to gabe or something and i remember we were in santa monica like we were training with josh barnett at the uh enoki dojo and we were at simon enoki's house to watch like a ufc or something and i remember uh this tv producer that used to help run our shows in la um dave marquez like came over with his like laptop or something he's like so you guys are working roh and like kind of like moved the computer over and i was like oh we are and then i looked at jr or rocky and he's like i guess we are i was like well that's Hmm. news to me and he and he hadn't checked his email or whatever so we were confirmed and all this other stuff but um i remember like we came in uh we did the briscoes the first night and then we did some singles or four ways the next and just getting in the ring with the briscoes was like putting on, you know, a nice form fitting set of gloves. Like it was just too easy, you know, and, uh, that kind of made us that night. Like we had a one of our easiest matches, but it was, it was so easy because like the Briscoe's style and our style is pretty similar. So it was pretty easy to just kind of like, work off each other's stuff you know so it was it was a lot of fun and then um and then i think like a couple months later i think we we beat punk and cabana for the belts and i remember i think it was chris daniels or somebody in the back like he was like shocked like we came through the back like we came through the curtain with the belts in our hands and then he walks up to us and he was like they put the belts on you already and we were like (laughs) yeah and he's like Hey, you guys have been here for a cup of coffee, so sure, why not? like turns around and walked away and we were like, Oh, like we're not writing the show, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> so it was just you know, it was like he was of course just like joking but it was uh it was just funny how he, he was like, Yeah, you guys have been here, you know, two months, you know. So, hmm. but, you guys yeah, I mean it was did, uh,
0: You guys and, definitely had a great uh, start for sure
1: yeah i mean it was fun i mean they you know like like i said it it was pretty easy to get in the not easy but uh like to get us in the main event it it just like not like you had to work like if you were in ring of honor like you were considered like a main event wrestler, i remember like in those years, like oh four o five and stuff like uh you know like the whole thing about r o h wrestler was like I kind of carried it at least like I tried to like like you, you should be one of the best wrestlers on the planet if you worked for ROH at that time. So I know like when I did when I did other indies and stuff like I kind of kind of carried that with me and made sure that like I went out there to prove a point, you know, like like I wanted people within the industry to say, "Yeah, yeah, he's an ROH wrestler." And I wanted other people to say, "Yeah, you can tell because of how he is in the ring, you know." So it was once you got into ROH, you were kind. Of, you're, the hard work was already done, and then you can enjoy wrestling other top wrestlers from around the world. You know, so that was that was a lot of fun. Hmm. Definitely, very
0: well said there. And throw in the fact you and Rocky had great chemistry. Then they put you in the Rottweilers with Homicide, Loki, and Julius Smokes. That was one hell of a faction. Did you like being thrown in with those guys?
1: Yeah, and um, like I. <laughs> I guess I was just kind of out of the loop with a lot of things. I didn't even know that that was happening that night. Like when Loki Mm -hmm. came back and we beat up Joe and like laid him out in the ring and we were the rot. What? Like, I didn't know that until maybe an hour before the show. Like, I'm just so oblivious to like, I get to, you know, I come in, I just want to work out, you know, get some food and get to the building and, and work on my match, you know? And I knew we had, uh, we had like a big match that night and stuff like that. And I just didn't, I don't talk to Gabe much, um, you know, and I just kind of like whatever they tell me to do, I just, I just do, you know? So I, I'm, I wasn't in communication with him a lot about anything and I get there and and we're hanging out in the back and we, and it wasn't like clickish, but it kind of was like, like we'd hang out with, with homicide and punk. And like, like we had our little, Group of friends that we always kind of like hang out with, so we're in the back, and then homicide's like, "Yo, man, come here, I gotta talk to you." So he, you know, me and Rocky walk over, and we're like, "What's up?" And he's like, "Come on, let's take a walk." So we go out, and like we were in the Rexplex in New Jersey, and oh, yeah. we walk. We walked up. It's like upstairs, so we walk down this hallway, and like Loki has like. I think, uh, Santo mask on or something, you know, like, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy, you know? And he mm-hmm. takes it off, and he was like, what's up? And we're like, yo, man, how you been? You know, like, like, what's going on? And he's like, so here's the thing. He kind of lays out what everything's going to happen tonight, and I'm like, we are? And, like, JR is like, or Rocky's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, no one told me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he goes. Uh, That's what we're doing. So it wasn't like a big deal. Like, oh, why didn't you tell me? But it was just so funny. Like it was going to, in the fans' eyes, it was going to, uh you know what I mean? Like, like solidify us as top, you know, top level talent. You know what I mean? It was in, instead of being like, like yeah, these guys are good. Like they're good. Like we, that took us to a whole another level. You know, in, in the in the Ring of Honor world I guess, you know what I mean? Like to team up me and Rocky, Loki and Homicide all in one group, like that's just like you know what I mean? Like that's just bad for everybody else and awesome for us, you know. Mm-hmm. So so we didn't have to beat the hell out of each other. We are beating up everyone else, you know, so mm-hmm. that was uh it was fun. I could definitely attest
0: to that being great because I was in the bleachers that night, and that was one hell of a show, and that was one hell of a surprise, and I was like, <laughs> wow, then, you know, this group is going to be an awesome faction in our way. Yeah. And then obviously, Smollett Joe is the number one guy. You beat up Joe, and it's like, whoa, these guys are the main event now.
1: Yeah, yeah, that yeah, exactly. Like, like we became, you know, huge players. Like, I mean, I mean. Rocky and I, you know, like like we were kind of those new guys, kind of flavor of the month for the moment, and then that just put us from hot to like super, you know what I mean, like a whole nother level. I felt because I felt like you know, like then we were having like these crazy six mans and you know matches, and it was just so much fun.
0: Yeah, and then the trios tournament. I mean, you had a lot of other. A six man mm-hmm. tag and stuff like that for the Trios tournament in 2005, which was a pretty cool and different idea from ROH mm-hmm. at the time. You, Homicide, and Rocky end up winning it all. What was your
1: experience mm-hmm. like that night? Oh, man. So that starts with the whole flight over there. Like, I asked for a flight out of, because I was from Southern California, I'm from Southern California originally, so at the time I was flying out of LAX, and I had asked for uh, the airport closer to my, to my house in, in Southern California, but uh, something happened. I had a connection in Las Vegas, and in Las Vegas, they weren't flying out because of weather or something, like some storm was coming through. So I ended up staying the night in the Las Vegas airport, that that night and then first flight out in the morning the day of the show uh I flew from Las Vegas to Philadelphia which was I don't know like five hours or something with like no sleep then I get to the building and then so I'm late so they just had one person like gr- come grab me and I, well, I think it was at the armory in Philadelphia and they they pick me up bring me to the building like I'm on no sleep at all. And then I'm like, well, what are we doing tonight? And they're like, it's the trios tournament. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But you know, I said, what, what match do I have? And they're like, you have all of them. Like you're winning the whole thing. And I'm like, so not only am I like dead tired, but like now we're wrestling like three times, you know, and then we were in the back and, you know, so I'm like kind of like just going through the motions or whatever and then the last match, and then and then Homicide decides, hey, let's start a riot. And I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. So we just start tearing the ring apart and flipping tables, and fans want to jump the rails, and we're, like, throwing fists, you know? Like, it was, like, insane, you know? And I got to the hotel that night, and I was like, I haven't got to sleep for, like, three days, you know? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> It was like such a rush. Like I didn't. I don't even know why we just started breaking stuff. But like homicides. Like start a riot, and I'm like, yeah, let's do that. You know, like, and it was it was crazy. Like you know, it was fun because we. You know, how can you not have good matches with these guys? You know, like El Generico and and Brian were on one team, I think. You know, and and. I don't even really remember the teams that much, but I just remember every team was like at least two guys that were like awesome, you know, that you just wanted to wrestle. It was fun. I think I remember that the ring broke at one point, right?
0: Yep. That time? Yep. Something yeah,
1: to it ring? it did be- because I think I think during the match with with Brian's with Brian's team, I remember him telling Rocky Throw me into the buckle as hard as you can. I want to try to break that ring again, or like they they rigged it to where it was up or like the middle rope or something. I, I can't remember what broke exactly, but I remember Brian's whole goal in our match was to break the ring because he thought it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Crazy. And I remember that they yeah. had spent time trying to trying to repair basically uh, the ring because of that damage. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. but before you know you mentioned obviously um you know Simon Inoki and Inoki Dojo and and over there in Mm -hmm. California what was it like Mm -hmm. training in the the New Japan Dojo over there because that's uh, had some pretty remarkable guys over there at one point training Joe Danielson uh was over there so what was it like
1: Mm -hmm. oh it was awesome like um when I first started uh in Southern California like wrestling like my whole goal was to become champion and 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 wrestle for new japan like that was what I wanted to do and um I just uh once it opened up we were it was kind of like a like invite only to go train there and so me and rocky we got invited, and we were there the first day they opened like the ring was shipped from Japan and the ring crew was, was flown in to like put it up correctly and everything. And we were there and we helped and, uh, it was just my dream to wrestle for new Japan. And, you know, I got to do that on quite a few occasions and, you know, it's just like the training there was, was, uh, more for MMA geared because the Inoki army that was coming out of that gym was, to be more like shoot-based style pro wrestling. So we needed to learn the correct techniques. And basically, we were training to be fighters um, in the pro wrestling world. So that was kind of like the training. So every day was a different discipline. Like the original group of guys that were there were TJ Perkins, myself, Smojo, Rocky, Brian. Um, Akabe had was like, came came down i think for like six months he he lived there and uh and helped train us and stuff but every day was like a different discipline it was like we had uh greco-roman like on tuesdays and then we had brazilian jiu-jitsu on wednesdays and we had um we had muay thai on thursdays and we had boxing on mondays and then we had a, a weightlifting day we had uh a pro bodybuilder, Kenya Suda would come in and he usually trains like Ken Shamrock and those guys and like he'd come in on Friday and you know, evaluate us and give us nutrition stuff and put us through some workouts and so every day was like a different discipline. So I mean when did we train with like Yuji Nagata came in a few times to train with us. Lager came in, uh Josh Barnett, Lyoto Machida, Boss Rutin Ken Shamrock, I mean, like, you would just show up, and then all of a sudden, Ken Shamrock walked through the doors and be like, hey, guys, and we're like, wait, that's Ken Shamrock. Like, why is he here? And he would either be doing some business or whatever, and then in the office, and then he would come out and be like, who wants to roll? You guys want to do some stuff? And we're like, yeah, you know, and then, like, uh, Don Fry, and, you know, I mean, this was, like, every day. Like, there was just somebody or something, you know, that would – kind of blow your mind like like I can't even believe that these guys are here you know
0: It's like a who's who of uh not only MMA legends but pro wrestling uh, Japanese legends that are coming in I mean Eugene Nagata and Liger quite a you know, quite a quite a day to have
1: Yeah it was like it was insane like we joked about you know like saying we wanted to fight in Pride and <laughs> like, cause we, we started getting, you know, really good at some jujitsu, like good for us, you know what I mean? Not good on any world-class level, but we were right. getting decent at some stuff and, you know, so, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you, you start puffing your chest out and you're like, yeah, man, you know, kind of joking, like. Like, yeah, I want to wrestle for pride. And then, like, two days later, Don Fry would walk in and he'd be like, I got a fight I got to train for. You guys mind if I roll with you? And we're like, okay, well, I'm not going to start. I'm not ever going to say that again because <laughs> my luck. I'll say something, and then I'll be on a flight to Japan to go fight in pride. You know what I mean? Like, that's how crazy it was in there. Like, it was just like – you know, just all of a sudden, Josh Barnett shows up, and he's like, hey guys, you know, I'm gonna be here, if I show you some kicking stuff, will you show me some wrestling stuff? And to this day, I'm a good friends with, with Josh, like, he comes, to, he came to the to the temple a couple times, like for season three, you know, and, like, we got to catch up and stuff, and I mean, I mean, I went to Japan with Boss Rudin, like, three or four times, It, you know, it's like, it's insane, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was training there, it was i I mean it would have cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars if I would have paid for the knowledge and for the classes and for the everything I got to learn uh through new, through the Inoki dojo it it was crazy
0: absolutely amazing you know set of guys there and absolutely amazing training and that's Like, unbelievable, because you just named out those guys and rattled them off. It's like, holy shit, like, who the hell's coming in, you know, the next day? I mean, it's just an amazing lineup of Mm -hmm. guys to have come and train with you. Yeah. And you do a lot of training today, right? You train a lot of wrestlers and coach a lot of guys and mentor uh, the young
1: wrestlers of today? Yeah, I guess I've kind of... I I guess I kind of have, like, a knack for it, I guess. Like, um, I don't watch other people's matches unless they want me to. And I don't go around. I'm not that guy that kind of walks around giving people advice, you know, that don't ask for it. But um, I actually, I had a school in Long Island for a while. And then they, the township bought the building that we had the school in and renovated it and closed it down and stuff and all this other stuff. So I wasn't, I didn't have a school. I would just go to other schools and I'd want to train like to, to get a workout in, but then I end up like, oh, well, can you teach the guys? So I just kind of fell into this whole, like, you know, do seminars and, and stuff like that. People just kind of really um, kind of just take to my, you know, if I have a vision or if I explain something, I think I just get it across a lot easier to understand than maybe other people do, because my trainer that trained me, like, he would explain something, he'd say, okay, we'll do it this way. But then he would give you a reason why. So he always told me that a good trainer will explain why you're doing it this way instead of just like anyone can tell you, no, 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 do that hip toss this way. But if they don't explain it to you why you're doing it that way, the goods and the bads, then they're just – saying stuff you know what I mean like like why am I doing it this way okay well just in case this happens or to protect yourself or to protect your opponent or whatever you know or it just looks better you know for this reason and and these are reasons why we do it this way so I think people just I I can just explain uh wrestling uh psychology and or techniques a lot better than other people can because like there's a lot of great wrestlers out there but I think, like, I'm such a, a – I nitpick at so many small things that I make those small things so big that other people are like, wow, I never thought of it that way. You know, like, I kind of just look in depth at every little thing in the ring and everything that I either do or see, uh, and I just kind of, like, you know, make it like a huge focal point that I can tell you one thing to change – and it'll blow your mind, and you think, "Why never even never even thought of it that way?" You know, and uh, I, guess that, I guess I guess I kind of got that from like amateur wrestling, like in high school, because the techniques are so like you have to be so technical in amateur wrestling, and you know the move, the exploding your hips one direction as opposed to the other can you know what I mean can 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 mean the world on a throw or a takedown or, you know what I mean? So I, I really liked, enjoyed training a lot in, in amateur wrestling. Like, um, I really just enjoy the techniques and like how people get thrown and taken down and pins and, and so forth. So, uh, now I train a school in, um, Danbury, Connecticut, platinum fitness pro wrestling. Um, so I'm up there like every other week, uh, cause that's like, like a three hour, three and a half hour drive for me but i'm only there every other week uh right now um so i get to get up there and just work out with the guys and stuff and i've been doing that for a few weeks now
0: and it's great because obviously you have a pretty damn good knack for it and you you know a lot of people are going to listen to you and pay attention to you because of who you learn from and where you've been in your career i mean Oof! You pretty much wrestled everywhere, right? Puerto Rico, Mexico,
1: Japan. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm at a point where I don't. I never really thought I would be. Like, I'm, I'm the guy that's kind of been there, done that. So, hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I, every now and again, I'll, I'll do something like this, like an interview, and people will kind of read off some stuff and I'll be like, wow, like that's, you know, kind of impressive, you know, and uh, (laughs) everything, some, some things that people are trying to do, you know what I mean? And trying to, you know, or they're trying to be successful at this. um, I can kind of say, yeah, yeah. Like I've, I've done that, you know, like, I mean, I've wrestled in the Tokyo dome twice, you know, and like that's not an easy task, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, you know it's like a very chosen few I remember when I after we did the Tokyo Dome show in October of 2002 Scott Norton joined the the tour like a week later and that was the first time I ever met Scott and I went down to the lobby and uh he was like oh hey Ken you know you're one of those dojo guys right from LA and I was like yeah you know you know um introduce myself and stuff and He's like, well, wait, did you work the dome? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, like last week we did, the, we did the dome. And I remember he, I mean, this is Scott Norton in 2002, you know, like he's done the dome I don't know how many times, you know. But I remember right. he looked at me He looked at me, and he was like, that's something no one will ever be able to take away from you. And he goes, and you can say you made it. You made it in the world of professional wrestling. And he goes, because not just anybody walks, walks into that ring in that building. And like, I knew it was huge, you know, I mean, granted, I was like, it was 2002. So it was like my second or third year in wrestling, you know, and everything just kind of came kind of quick. And when he said that to me, I was like, wow, like, it gave me like some more uh, boost of confidence that I was looking to get after doing that that I didn't actually get until he said it. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, you're right. Like, no one can ever take that away, you know, and and he's like, he goes, because that's kind of a symbol of excellence to wrestle in that building. And I was like, wow, like, I never even thought of it that way. And he was like, yep. And he goes, New Japan's the real deal, man. He goes, if you can make it here. He goes, you'll be all right. And I always remember that. And then now I look at, like, today's generation of wrestlers or the, the stars that are on top on TV now, and I look at, like, Finn Balor and, like, Nakamura, Nakamura is a guy who trained in the dojo with us, you know, who, like lived there. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Minoru Tanaka, you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, I just, I, I, I sit back and I think, and I'm like, wow, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just cool. Like you see guys now like the bucks and, you know, and, 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 you know, Carl Anderson and, you know, and Rocky and, you know, and you're like, wow, like these are the guys that are whether they're in WWE or not, like they're doing it and they're making it, you know, like like they're creating their own, you know. And um yeah, I like to think that uh, I'm part of that, you know, group as well. So yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy when I think about it.
0: <laughs> pretty amazing and obviously if you wrestle for New Japan, that's great, and then like you said, you just have the symbol of excellence of the Tokyo dome working one of those shows is just uh, amazing and it's one of uh, the big honors, I would definitely say, in someone's wrestling career. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> As I start to wind it down a little bit here, I mean, we talked about New Japan, we talked about wrestling at Tokyo Dome, which is just, like we said, it's just awesome. And we talked about all these different places you wrestle, the ROH and it's prime, obviously Lucha Underground, but do you have a favorite match or maybe
1: a couple of favorite matches in your career. Um, actually, one the match that just aired tonight against Cobb. <laughs> um, <laughs> was one of my favorite my favorite matches, and uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, I there's also a match that'll air later that was a lot of fun. I can't really say because I'll probably get in trouble. Oh, yes. Yep, yeah. But um <laughs> I mean wrestling wise uh I ch- I try to go out and challenge myself every night and have a gr- have a great match um every night. And like the thing is with me is I'm not going to be satisfied if the guy that I'm working against that I'm wrestling against I, like I like to come back and hear that that was their best match, you know, that they've ever had. So like, that's always my goal um, to go out and get, and get that, you know, like steal the show and, and that whole, that whole deal. But like, I like to, I like every match to be a challenge in a different way, you know, like, like there's some matches where I'm like, Hey, this is just going to be like a killer wrestling match. Like, and then there's, there's other matches where I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to work on my, storytelling and you know like selling and so I try to touch and perfect all aspects of of wrestling so every match is different but the goal is always the same you know and just to have the best match I can possibly have you know even if I have limitations especially when I have limitations you know like sometimes the guy's not as good you know and it's take it upon myself to make it my responsibility to make him better than what He was before he went into the match, you know, and then afterwards, if he wants to talk about it or, you know, or I explain to him why we're doing certain things and then hopefully it opens up their eyes and makes them think, oh, wow, like that makes sense. If it makes sense to us and we're the wrestlers, then it'll make sense to the fans because we'll be able to express that story that we're telling. You know much easier you know if if anything it just gives you confidence to go out there and express that story easier you know and then sometimes that's what you need because everybody wants to do what's cool and what's hot and what's you know but it it's a lot easier to do that if we understand why we're doing it you know if you know if we're gonna do this particular sequence or spot in this match why are we doing that? How did we get there? How do we get out of it? You know, how is it easy for my brain to compute all this stuff and, 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 and kind of feel and see that flow happen, you know, as organic as possible? That's how you can, that's the best way you can express it to the fans because we got to go out there and, and do it with action, but they have to di- be able to digest it. You know what I mean? It's different when you're in the back and you're like, okay, let's do this, this, and this. But if you were to ever dare someone and say, why, why are you doing that right there? You know, hmm. you'd, see deer in, you'd see deer in headlights, you know, but not with me because I'm going to do it for a reason or we're going to get to that reason. You know, that's my job. You know what I mean? And uh, Tanahashi wrote one time and he did an interview and he said that his matches are like, uh, comparing his matches to other people's matches, he says his matches are like a steak dinner, and other people's matches are like McDonald's hamburgers. He says <laughs> when, you, when you sit down to eat a steak dinner, you take your time. You look at it. Maybe you smell it. You, know, you, you take a deep breath, and you're like, man, this is going to be good, and you slowly cut into that steak and you slowly take that bite and chew it, and you're like, man, that that's great, you know? And then you start to enjoy it, you know what I mean? And then other people, uh, the, the hamburger reference is like, you can be driving in your car, reach into the bag, unwrap the burger and eat it without even looking at it. And then you just kind of like, you inhale it, you know what I mean? And he's like, that's what he, he doesn't like about like guys that just do things just to do them because it's, it's all meaningless. It it doesn't mean anything. It's nothing worth sitting there and enjoying and having a moment and being like, I'm going to remember this. And that's why he says that he has the best matches because it's a match that eventually like we'll never forget, you know, and he takes his time and it's, it's all the stuff that wrestling is supposed to be storytelling and you know what I mean? And all that it's, it's like, you know, you watch his matches, and that's how they are. You know, they start off a little slow. He gives you a little bit. You get excited. You know what you want. You know what you paid for. You know, when am I going to get it? You know, and then he makes you wait to get it, you know, and that's why he's the man. <laughs> he is the master. He is the ace, and obviously
0: what a genius and what a great thing to say. I love that analogy with the steak and, and McDonald's. I mean, obviously this is why he's one of the best wrestlers of all time, and then you throw in the hat mm-hmm. his epic feud with uh, Okada, which is just unbelievable. Five star match, a yeah. five star match. And him talking like that, you could see why he is the ace. Yeah. So, for you, you know, you've had so many good opponents, obviously, in your career. I mean, we talked about a bunch of guys. We didn't even mention, like, AJ Styles or Hero. We talked about Brian Danielson a little bit. I mean, there's so many good guys. Tommaso Champion, even to throw out one out there. Do you have a favorite opponent maybe that you had or maybe a couple favorite opponents that we kind of didn't even say that you just love getting in there with and have great chemistry?
1: Um I have great chemistry with uh I wrestled Alex Shelley in Pittsburgh uh like she's two maybe 2007 or 8 or something um I just remember that match just being so much fun. I wrestled him in Japan in a tag match, too. And when we got in, it's like, I don't know, like, I think him and I really gel well together. Like, um, uh, everything that we do has good meaning and stuff. And psychology-wise, I think we're on the same page. And, like, I don't know. I just I feel like every time I've ever in, been in the ring with him, it's just been, like, just... So much fun and easy. Um, same thing with Loki. Like I wrestled Loki like a few times, and I thought like every time we'd have another match, it was like better than the last. So that and 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 I've had a couple matches, singles matches with Joe, and same thing. Like I just really think that like it's more of a mindset. It's like what what the guys are wanting to do. Like when when you're both wanting to to tell a good story those are the guys that you want to wrestle against because like then everything is so has again it goes back to why are you doing this and when both guys think why are we doing it okay you want to do this okay how can we get there you know like that's that's the you know it's you know it's unfortunate now where some guys are just going out there i'm going to do this i'm going to do that i want to do that just because that's what i do you know, and it's like, well, it doesn't always work that way. You know, it's that's not the best thing. You know what I mean? Like, guys want to go out there and get pops, which is fine. Um, some places like that. You know, like there's a very small group of fans that accept that. I work for an eruption. Like, I want the crowd to erupt. I'm not going to work for for six different times. To, the crowd is going to give me like a clap. I, I don't need that. I, I need the, I need the ending to be an eruption, like a volcano, like, like rumble, rumble, rumble. And then boom, we're done. Cause you can't get any higher than that point. So when I build a match, no matter how small the match is, I could be the first match and I could build a good first match, you know, or, or the last, and then I could, you know i mean there's times i get to the back there was this one time in canada where these two guys um i don't even know their names but they went out and just they just did that they just did a whole bunch of craziness like it was like like ooh ah pop 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 like like all through the match like it was just like you know, constant. And I remember one of the guys came to the back and he's like, you're on last. And I was like, yeah. And he was right before intermission. He's like, oh, sorry, man. I did everything under the sun. You know, they were going nuts for me, you know, and he was kind of trying to be, I assume he was just trying to be like a prick about it. Like, I don't know. I remember I turned to him and I said, that's all right. I'm only going to do a couple of things that are going to be meaningful. And then I just walked (laughs) away from him. And then I went out and did my match, which is exactly what I did. And the finish was like the loudest noise of the night, which is supposed to be. And then I walked to the back and he was like, man, that match was insane. And I'm thinking I did maybe like a comeback spot, some falsy trades, you know, and we had one epic like trade off, like boom, 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 you know, like, and that was it. It's just everything that we did had so much build and meaning to that. When we finally got to the ending, it couldn't have got any higher, you know, and um, I don't remember diving, I didn't dive, I don't dive, nothing off the top, um, no one fell on their head, you know, um, you know what I mean, but it was like, mm-hmm. and and it was probably five minutes shorter than his, so, you know what I mean, like, so, I mean, what I'm getting at is, like, having chemistry with somebody it's not so much a style as much as it's a mindset, you know? And um, at the end of the day, we, we do matches for the fans. We don't do matches for ourselves, you know? And then some guys get to the back and they're like, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Like for who, for what, you know, are the fans going to re- ask for a refund because you didn't do your three move set? You know what I mean? No, hmm. they're not, you know, they don't know you and that's how you have to go out there and think. You know, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, but you're a big star on TV. It's like I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever wear that badge. I don't ever show up to a building thinking that. I think this is a new place, whether it is or it's not. It's new fans, and I got to go out there and establish myself and get a point across. You know, and I make the match for the fans because I sit back and think, okay, how does that? How would that look? How does that feel? Am I enjoying it? Do I like it? You know. And then I go back and I fix it, you know. And So it's a, there's a lot mentally that goes into making a match, at least for me. I mean, not everybody, but.
0: Which is the way it should be, and it's the perfect psychology, and obviously you have a genius of a mind for the wrestling business, and it's been great having you on. But I just got to ask you, where do you see yourself? In five years do you still see lucha underground growing do you see yourself in the wrestling business
1: like where do you see yourself um i don't know i don't really look that far ahead i guess uh i definitely see lucha underground still going strong um i just think there's too much momentum for the show there's too much backing the show like you know everyone loves the show and i'm talking about like high ups that work in the network and stuff you know um they're not going to let that show go you know and it's like it's only going to get bigger and better they're now starting to venture off and do more wrestling business type things more merchandise um more individual merchandise you know like for the for the guys and the girls like like more character type of merchandising stuff they want to do live events. They're working on doing live events. We did a couple. We're going to do more. Um, you know, the, the the idea now is for if you have El Rey Network, you watch Lucha Underground. Like that's that's already a thing. So their goal now is to get the El Rey Network out more and or get Lucha Underground out more. So the the company itself like Lucha Underground has become its own monster, its own thing. So now that's growing. So they're going to continue to push that. Uh, So, I mean, I definitely think Lucha Underground will be around for, I was told by high up people, like it's not going anywhere for a while. So, uh, so that was, that was nice to hear. Um, uh, As far as me, like, I, I, I don't know. I, my whole life has been professional wrestling. And so I'm sure in some aspect, if I'm not for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm not in ring, like I'll be a part of it somehow. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's defines me as a person and who I am and everything that I've ever believed in and stuff. So, I mean, I'll be in wrestling somehow. So if I'm not wrestling for whatever reason, but I mean, I feel I'm healthy. I feel great. Like, you you know, um, you know, and I'll just keep doing it as long as I can keep performing at a level I feel acceptable to perform at, then I will. And then when I decide I don't want to anymore, then I'll worry about that when that time comes. <laughs> well, that is good to hear
0: about you, and obviously that's good to hear about Lucha Underground. But where can the fine folks find Ricky Reyes, a.k.a. Cortez Castro? Give us some social media plugs.
1: Uh, My Twitter is at Ricky Reyes 01. Um, Facebook is Ricky Reyes and uh, Instagram. I just got that. That's a thing. Uh, Ricky Reyes. So (laughs) pretty pretty (laughs) easy to get get a hold of me.
0: (laughs) Well, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. This has been quite a not only a little uh, history lesson with uh, some ROH stuff and some New Japan stuff, but it's been awesome kind of picking your brain and learning some psychology and learning some good stories and some good storytelling. So thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.